guys, it's Pete Mundo, and we are HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, and what a weekend of football it was in the Big 12. My goodness gracious, a fantastic Week 9, upsets all over the place, and let's talk to you right now about that as we uh, go through the games from the weekend that was in the Big 12 Conference. Let's go in order and start with Oklahoma and Kansas State. The Wildcats as 24 point favorites uh, beat the Oklahoma Sooners 48 to 41 straight up unbelievable performance for Chris Kleiman it is a game-changing a program-changing win for the Kansas State Wildcats everything you would want to have everything that you would want this team to be doing as it continues to take further and further steps towards uh, once again being a team that can compete at the top of the Big 12 Conference. That's exactly what you saw yesterday in this game. And for me, uh, for Kansas State, it all started with that running attack. I mean, K-State had 213 rushing yards. They had 4.7 yards per carry, and they got out to a lead. They went on a 41-6 run after being down early. And that is exactly not the situation Lincoln Riley wants this team to play from. OU's used to playing ahead, right? They can just run the ball and wear you down with Jalen Hurts and their big stable of running backs. Uh, That is not what took place on Saturday. But I was surprised that Lincoln Riley went away from the running game in this game. OU only had 102 rushing yards as a team for 3.9 yards per carry. This is a team that was averaging, what, 7, 8 yards per carry coming into this game. So they had half of that against the Wildcats on Saturday. That was, uh, first off, kudos to climbing, kudos to this defensive staff and all of these players for shutting down what is uh, one of the best running games in the entire country on Saturday at home. It was an unbelievable performance. You had Skylar Thompson with, what, uh, four rushing touchdowns in this game. And Kansas State, they won the penalties, they won the turnover battle, and they dominated time of possession. Those are things that Kansas State football has always done well under Bill Snyder in the best Bill Snyder years They didn't have the best athletes. They never had the best athletes or the top recruits. But they had the guys who, first off, had the chips on their shoulders, who won the turnover battle, who dominated time of possession, and who won the penalty battle. And that's exactly what Kansas State did against Oklahoma on Saturday. Um, Handing OU its first true road loss in five years and 15 days, which came at TCU. OU had won 21 straight true road games up until this point. So absolutely unbelievable. Let us know. uh, Of course, comments. We're on Periscope here. We're on uh, Facebook Live. It'll be up on the podcast as well, YouTube. Any questions you have here, uh, throw them in, and we'll get to them here shortly on Heartland College Sports Weekly. And, of course, if you're on the podcast, leave us a rating, review, subscribe. Helps us out enormously. And, um, You know, we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie if you do that, by the way. We will do that. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get that koozie in the mail for you. Um, This is an interesting question from Alvin. Alvin, I will – let me just get to it right now before we get to some other action here from Saturday. If Baylor goes undefeated and wins the Big 12, will they be ignored by the college football playoff because of their terrible – non-conference schedule. 
I don't see how you could leave an undefeated Baylor team out if they have basically what would probably be two wins over OU. I mean, OU is still a top 10 team. There's, I don't see it. I just don't see it. Baylor getting left out. I know they got hosed, you know, back in 2014, but I have a hard time seeing a Baylor team that would have beaten OU twice, most likely, um, not getting into the college football playoff. That's that'd be crazy. I don't, I don't see it. But hey, I, you know, if you're a Baylor fan, I understand why that might make you nervous. But first, let's go one game at a time. All right, let's uh, let's hold the horses on that. But in this OUK State game, I, I thought Lincoln Riley had a bad game. Uh, that trick play in the first half that led to the interception um, from Nick Basquin that set up a score for Kansas State. I mean, that was that was a terrible play call. I mean, I'm all for trying trick plays, but you got Nick Basquin throwing across his body. I mean, that's one of those situations where it's like he's got to know if the trick play is not there, just go down. Just go down. Uh, that was bad. The timeout on the final drive before deciding on kicking the field goal or going for the touchdown. Um, why? You prep for the two-minute drill for your kicker to get out there in time, and you have to know, hey, if I'm in a fourth and short and field goal range, do I kick or do I go for it? You don't have to use the timeout to think about it. I thought that was a terrible job by Lincoln Riley, terrible clock management. I know that the announcers were like, well, you got to get the points here. You want to make sure you get the points, and then you attempt the onside kick. Yeah, but you practice these types of situations in practice, right? You prepare for these types of situations. You should not have to use your time out there. You should not have to use it. And now let's get to the controversial onside kick. Um, The controversial onside kick, OU fans are up in arms about this. They believe that the K-State player basically pushed the OU player into the ball, and as a result, uh, it should have been OU ball because the fact that the OU player touched it before the 10-yard line or before 10 yards after the kick should have negated the fact that he touched the ball. I disagree. I completely disagree. Now, the officials, according to Lincoln Riley, said afterwards that they explained to him that Trajan Bridges was not blocked into the ball. He wasn't blocked into the ball. Him and the K-State player ran into each other at the same time, and it happened to be before it was 10 yards from the kick. I'm sorry. It's K-State's ball. OU fan, and, and, and it's not all, you fan, oh, all OU fans. There's a small portion of OU fans who are up in arms over that play. It's like, guys, you were outscored on the road 41-6. to There was a stretch there that K-State went on a 41-6 to run, and you want to complain about an onside kick? That was, you know, a half a yard off. Stop. You sound like everything you complain about with other teams. Stop. You weren't prepared. Um, you allowed a, a, a average Kansas State team to run all over you. And you didn't show up. You did not show up. Stop blaming the officials. Just stop. All right? I still think OU's the best team in this conference. And I'll talk about it on the podcast this week, um, whether or not I think they're still in a decent position for the college football playoff. We'll do that another time. But there's a, there's a portion of OU fans that are, are really bitching and moaning. And it's like, guys, stop. Just stop, please. Um, it is ridiculous. K-State outplayed you in every facet, and they deserve to win. And you know what? That game did not come down to officiating. I'm sorry. It didn't. It did not come down to it. But OU is still in a great spot to win the Big 12. So let's just uh, hold our horses on that as well, and we'll talk about the playoff this week. All right, let's go to Oklahoma State, Iowa State. 
OSU pulls off the upset 34-27. This is a classic Mike Gundy win and a classic Mike Gundy game. Just when you're about to count Mike Gundy out, just when you're about to do it, he goes on the road and beats a team that nobody's beaten on the road since like 2017. Uh, just, just so typical of Mike Gundy to go win this game straight up as a 10-point underdog. A lot of this, to me, comes back to Spencer Sanders. I thought he looked um, much improved. Not good. He, he didn't look good. Let's not kid ourselves here. It's like if Oklahoma State wins, you say, well, Spencer Sanders is showing improvement. And then if he loses, it's like Spencer Sanders can't be the quarterback for this team. He's got no shot. Uh, let's pull it back here a little bit. Spencer Sanders looked better because he only had one turnover, but that was a terrible turnover. That interception Spencer Sanders threw was, I mean, that, that was an embarrassment of a throw. Across his body as he's rolling out, I mean, Mike Rose was there, and that's not clear to me which Oklahoma State wide receiver he was throwing to. I mean, it was pathetic. Um, but after Oklahoma State had 12 turnovers, and 12 turnovers in four conference games, they won the turnover battle here in this game 3-1. to one. And those three interceptions against uh, Brock Purdy all came in the final seven minutes or so of the fourth quarter. Um, and that's only the second time in the Jim Knowles era, the new defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State, that this defense has forced at least three turnovers. That's got to change. I mean, that's been one of the big letdowns of the Jim Knowles tenure as the defensive coordinator. They have not forced the turnovers that he was supposed to bring to this team and to this program. They just haven't done it. Uh, but Oklahoma State won this game off of the big plays. They had uh, three touchdowns in the first half of 71, 50, and 65 yards. They led 21-10 at halftime. And here was the key as well. They beat Oklahoma State. Um, they beat Oklahoma State in yards per carry, 4.9 to 3.4. That is an impressive number. Oklahoma State held Brees Hall to 18 carries for 76 yards, a long run of 21 yards. Uh, Brees Hall had been on a roll lately, and Oklahoma State's run defense held him in check. So as much as Oklahoma State benefited from big plays, they also kept the Iowa State running game in check, and they had a better running game of their own, and that is absolutely worth something. Now, also for Iowa State, three drives inside the Cowboys' 23-yard line ending with two made field goals and one missed field goal. I, you know, that that's unacceptable. You basically got in the red zone three times and got six points. You, you can't do that. You can't average two points uh, per trip in the red zone. And that's part of what this game came down to. I mean, it was tied at 27, and then it was Oklahoma State taking care of business. Here's another interesting stat for you. The Cyclones ran 55 first-half plays, 328 total yards, and 13 points. Meantime, Oklahoma State had just 23 plays to get 21 points. Uh, that is a game-changer right there. But Iowa State was still in a position to win. They couldn't pull it off. And, uh, you know, this is classic Mike Gundy getting a win like this when nobody, absolutely nobody sees it coming. So uh, Doug writes on Facebook Live, Pete, Iowa State just didn't have it. They didn't want it enough. You know, all week we talked about how much Iowa State would win this game by, right? I mean, you had a Oklahoma State team that was limping into Ames. I believe if Iowa State fans can confirm this, it was homecoming weekend up there. You know, this team is unbeatable in October. It's Brocktober, and they get a loss. I mean, that's what makes college football great. 
Um, and, and that's exactly what happened on Saturday in Ames. So, yeah, it's it's a tough spot, tough loss for Iowa State. But this Big 12 is now so freaking wide open, it's unbelievable. Uh, raise your hand if you have Baylor in first place as we basically turn the calendar to, uh, to November in the Big 12 this season. Because I sure didn't, all right? Before we get to the uh, second two games in the Big 12 here, you know we love stats on this show, right? I mean, we love them. Well, here are some stats for you I want to share. According to Dr. Drew, 85% of women think bad grooming is a major turnoff. 80% 80 of women think men should manscape below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success. So that's why we've got a uh, new partner here on the show. It's Manscaped. Check them out at manscaped.com. I know you've all got that manscaping story where things kind of go haywire, right? I have them. I know you have them. Uh, well, manscaped.com has its new electric trimmer, the Lawnmower 2.0, which is a thing of beauty. I'm telling you, it's a thing of beauty. Got my package last week. Accidents are now a thing of the past. So now you've got the Lawnmower 2.0. It's kind of like Kansas football 2.0 from recent seasons. Uh, Kansas football between KU and K-State, both teams are having surprisingly good seasons compared to the last couple of years. So the lawnmower 2.0, you get a 60-minute charge out of one charge compared to 15 minutes. They now have a rechargeable battery, no more double A's. So the lawnmower 2.0 for manscaped.com is a complete home run. And right now, if you're a Heartland College Sports listener or viewer, you get 20% off your package and free shipping with the code Heartland20. That's one word, Heartland20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code Heartland20. So join all the other dudes helping themselves, myself included, with Manscaped. A special offer for just our listeners. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's right, Heartland20 listeners. That's the code, Heartland20, for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And use that promo code. I'm using it, guys. It's great. I highly recommend it. Get on it right now. Manscaped.com, promo code, Heartland20. Let's talk Texas TCU. TCU at the upset, 37-27. So here was the drive that changed this game to me. TCU at the end there, 650 left in the game. They go nine plays, 75 yards, and on third and 11, what happens? Max Duggan, perfect looping sideline pass to the far hash right into John Stevens Jr.'s arms. Third and 14, 36-yard bomb to Tay Barber. A little behind him, but Barber made a great catch to haul it in. And then right after that play, you got Max Duggan getting in on the flun, flies across the goal line, 11 yards, bounces up, and the Frogs have won this game. He goes horns down. And when you compare this drive to SMU and K-State, where Max Duggan had chances to lead this team down the stretch. He could not do it. This is why you stick with the true freshman if you think he's the guy who can lead this team to victory. This is exactly why you do it, because you work through those growing pains and you allow him to be the quarterback that you think and you hopefully know he's capable of being. Duggan threw a couple of touchdown passes in this game. He had the tie-breaking 44-yarder to Jalen Rager, which was the first play after Sam Linger's second interception. He ran for the clinching score that we just talked about. And here was a good quote from Jalen Rager after this game. And I've said that TCU has got to do a better job getting the ball in Jalen Rager's hands. Uh, Rager was quoted as saying about Duggan, he's a great playmaker, great playmaker, great quarterback, 
He's young, but in due time, he'll be great. Now, I've been very critical of TCU and Sonny Cumbie not getting the ball in Jalen Rager's hands enough. He only had 271 receiving yards coming into this game. He had two catches, 55 yards, three rushes for 15 on Saturday. That's better. But the fact that this guy is still showing that much support and that much vocal support for his true freshman quarterback tells me that people truly believe in that locker room, Max Duggan's the guy, and that is really important. Tay Barber, after the game, said, Duggan is going to get up every time. Ain't nothing phase Max. We're all behind Max. This locker room is behind their true freshman quarterback. That is telling. That is valuable. And that is exactly what a TCU fan should want to hear. Um, so, you know, really good game. And what I love most about this game as a Big 12 fan, watching two seniors that are going to be playing in the NFL just go at it on Saturday. Colin Johnson, the Texas wide receiver, and Jeff Gladney, the TCU cornerback. That was an outstanding matchup, an outstanding battle to watch. And to see these two guys as seniors, the pride for this pro, their, their programs, for their teams, it was unbelievable. I could watch that all day, every day. I loved it, and it was just a, a refreshing battle for the Big 12 there on the outside between Gladney and Johnson. Now, uh, for Texas, it's crazy. I mean, Matt, Gary Patterson's had this uh, program's number. Texas lost its third straight game at TCU for the first time since the 1940s. I get it skewed because these teams, you know, they would have gaps there where they wouldn't play for a long time. And yes, I took the sucker bet with Texas, but TCU, fifth win in six games against the Longhorns, that's damn impressive. What's the deal with Texas? Um, Soul-searching loss for Herman? You know, I don't know. Uh, that's the phrase I keep reading. I get it now. They're five and three. Uh, they're three and two in Big Twelve play. I think that's that's extra disappointing for this team coming off the Big Twelve championship appearance last year and the Sugar Bowl win, and you've got your best quarterback in a decade as an upperclassman, and you know what? You just can't you can't get it done right now. It's not clicking. I know that injuries are part of the equation, but TCU did a good job limiting big plays for Texas. Sam Ellinger threw four interceptions. But here's, here's an interesting number. He had 6.7 yards per pass. And that's, that is nothing, 6.7 yards per pass. Uh, Texas lost the turnover battle 4-2. They had seven penalties for over 70 yards. And uh, a lot of young guys in that secondary, which is really banged up, were just out of position. That was part of the problem in this game. They're playing third-string safeties. I get it. Uh, the injuries are, are part of the game, though. And Texas was still the more talented team yesterday. I mean, they still had the more talented team with the far more experienced and veteran quarterback, and they could not beat TCU, which is not a TCU team in recent seasons. This is not a TCU team that has gotten to the quarterback and used that pass rush like they traditionally have. They've got a true freshman at quarterback. So it just it's not one of Gary Patterson's best teams, but they still got it done. So that's kudos to the coaching staff, the the heart, the fight for the players, and you know, Texas is now sitting there at 5-3 and three and, and just trying to get the season back on track. That's what this team's trying to do right now. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us here as we recap Week 9 of the Big 12 Conference. Any questions, comments, throw them there on uh, Periscope or on Facebook Live. Okay, let's get to KU and Texas Tech. 
are the Liam Jones jerseys all over Lawrence just yet. The kicker for the KU that put it through for the victory. Uh, that guy had himself a good night, I'm sure, on campus. Anyway, uh, let's go back to front in this game. The Douglas Coleman fumble after Texas Tech blocks the field goal with the game tied at 34 with 13 seconds left. I respect a guy trying to do more. But boy, uh, Douglas Coleman could not have slept well last night for Texas Tech. That was a brutal decision to try to lateral the ball as you're returning a block kick in your opponent's territory. You know, if you are, let's say, at the opponent's 30-yard line, I can see taking that risk because at that point, well, at that point, you want to just get down and try to get a field goal. So I, I can't see taking the risk. It was a dumb play. It was terrible decision-making. You respect the guy's fight, but everything about that was, was poorly decided by Douglas Coleman, and I do feel for him. I really feel for him after Nick McCann blocked Liam Jones's kick from 40 yards out, and then you have Kansas regaining possession after Coleman tries to lateral it uh, in that situation, which was silly. I mean, at that point, you're just thrilled to get to overtime, right? But how about KU in this game? Trailing 17 to nothing midway through the second quarter. That says a hell of a lot about Les Miles and, and how much this team, how much this team fights for its coaching staff. And that's exactly what this program is doing right now. And I put a tweet up here this morning. It was a it was a video of all the KU players celebrating after this game. And I said, you know what? We've all goofed on Kansas these last bunch of years. Like, it's easy to do, right? Very easy to do. But let's be fair here. How do you not feel good and appreciate the joy, the enthusiasm on the faces of these young men at KU who have been through a lot of bad times with this program but have stuck it out? I mean, it's just, it, it's fun to watch. It is what makes fo college football the best sport in America right now. And you respect the heck out of them for that. So uh, I couldn't help but feel good for those guys and those young players after being down 17-zip um, and coming back to win. Carter Stanley, 415 passing yards, four touchdowns. You know, KU better watch out. New offensive coordinator Brent Deerman, you know, this guy in his second matchup, uh, scoring 37 points a week after he scores 48 points against then number 15 Texas. He had uh, 527 total yards of offense last night. You know, this guy, K, you better pay him because he may be jumping ship pretty soon. And, and I love his enthusiasm. I love everything about what Brent Deerman, the new offensive coordinator for KU, is bringing to the table. So here's where I thought this game kind of turned. End of the first half. Under five minutes left, KU is averaging five-point yards per carry at this point. And on the next drive, they have the ball. Uh, Texas Tech has the ball. And what happens? Well, excuse me. Let me rephrase this. End of the first half, Texas Tech is averaging five yards per carry. That's what happens when you do this live. Tech is averaging five yards a carry. You've got five minutes left in the first half. And they go one run, five passes, no time is taken off the clock. Then KU scores again. So KU, which had scored a touchdown right before that drive, scores again, and they go into halftime down 17-14 instead of, you know, 17-7. That was a, a, a moment where I said, KU's got some momentum here, and they carried that through the second half. So I thought that was just a really bad drive for Texas Tech. I thought it was a poorly called drive. 
uh, by Texas Tech and by Yost. And it came back to bite them because it gave KU that juice that they needed heading into the locker room. And it paid off for them over the final 30 minutes. So Texas Tech ended up averaging like nearly five yards a carry, 212 rushing yards. But here's the thing. Kansas averaged 16 yards per pass. Not completion, but pass. And KU converted on 9 of 15 third downs. And the Jayhawks needed an average of 13 yards for those third downs. I mean, that is a terrible job of the Texas Tech secondary. Uh, and it's really disappointing to see those numbers for Matt Wells' team. I am by no stretch of the imagination jumping off the Matt Wells bandwagon. I think there's a portion of Tech fans that were going to be riled up no matter what Wells did. He could never do enough. I think that crowd is getting very loud right now. I am not listening to them. I'm just not doing it um, because I don't think it's fair. I think this guy's, first off, he's got his stud quarterback down, and he doesn't have any of his guys in there. So I'm not jumping the Matt Walsh ship yet, but i got to give Les Miles a ton of credit for what he's doing. I didn't see this team getting the three wins this year. I didn't see it. And here they are uh, before we turn the calendar to November, and they've got those three wins. On Facebook Live uh, from Britain, do you think KUK State will be a competitive game this next weekend? Why wouldn't it be, right? I mean, both these programs are exceeding expectations, and the Sunflower Showdown suddenly has a little juice to it. I didn't see that one coming. So absolutely fantastic. Uh, Alvin writes, Pete, it's a battle of new coaches this weekend. Who do you pick in Lawrence, Kansas or K-State? Going to wait till the uh, season gets going here, or the week gets going here, Alvin. I'm not doing any predictions on the Sunday show, but subscribe to the podcast to get all that information, all right? And we'll, we'll take care of you there. Once again, reminder on that front, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports Koozie. If you do that, just email me, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get the koozie in the mail for you guys. So appreciate it. Recapping four great games across the Big 12, and we are brought to you by a new sponsor this week, manscaped.com. Check them out. They right now are giving our listeners at Heartland College Sports a 20% off. 20% off special and free shipping when you use the promo code HEARTLAND20. That's HEARTLAND20 for 20% off and free shipping. That lawnmower 2.0 is fantastic, guys. I highly recommend checking it out. So uh, appreciate you guys as always. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you middle of this week for our preview show. Our interview as well usually drops on Tuesday with one Big 12 media member, coach, player, whatever it might be. So you guys have a great rest of your Sunday, and we will talk with you on Tuesday right here on heartlandcollegesports.com.